0: Somebody along the line said that the universe is not only stranger than you think, it's stranger than you can think. There's a statement I use, if you're green you grow, if you're ripe you rot, so I like to stay green until I'm (laughs) not here anymore, just keep learning, because that's what it's all about. And welcome to the show everybody, you're listening to Bigfoot in the Citizen Scientist Podcast, I'm your host Tyler and I want to thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or story you'd like to share with me shoot me an email. My email address is sciencemeetsbigfoot at gmail.com. You can contact me on any of my social media pages, or you can give the voicemail line a ring at 641-715-3900 using extension four four eight four four nine, 449 and making sure to leave your contact information so I know who and how to contact back. Today, I put together a chronicalization of every Sasquatch experience that has ever happened to me and have been back up to the most recent spot and had some crazy stuff take place. So be sure to keep your eyes open for that episode coming up. Before we get into it, I wanted to thank everyone that is a return listener that is currently listening to this. After a month of no episodes, taking an unannounced break to reset and obtain more content ideas, I'm recharged and ready to get back into content creation. I am spending a ton of time in the field this summer and have plans to bring you along. So I'm pretty excited to share what I have in store for all of you. Today's episode was inspired by Casey from Season 2, Episode 11, and David from Clackamas Sasquatch Research, while out with them doing some investigations and discussing future episode content. So without any further ado, I bring to you How It All Started, Part 2. From childhood to present, I've always had a fascination with the idea of Sasquatch, but I never thought the subject would take me to where it has or would have ever shown me what it's shown me. For the past two to three years, I've heard everything from flesh, blood, and bone reports, all the way to quantum physics ideologies, including, but not limited, to cloaking. I've learned about the hundreds, if not thousands or more, of individual Sasquatch researchers currently and very much so actively taking reports and investigating. Oftentimes, These research groups use accepted scientific methods. A good example of this is the Olympic Project, whom a couple years ago got a report from some surveyors of some ground nesting sites being found. They started documenting and recording their findings and got professionals who were interested in this subject field out to the site to document and study for themselves. Dr. Jeff Meldrum of Idaho State University successfully collected a few sterile samples from within and around the nest to send to Dr. Todd Disitel of NYU to conduct eDNA studies in 2017. Fundraising through Indiegogo has closed, and I currently am unable to find any new fundraising site as the $7,500 flexible goal was only at $4,728 when it closed, so I am to assume testing is taking place now, but at more than $1,000 a sample, it could take some time. Ranging from the citizen scientist all the way to professional and quizzical research scientists, the individual as well as the research group presence is ample and only rising. Everyone in this subject field has a story in which got them started in the subject in the first place. For some, it was Leonard Nimoy's In Search of* TV show, and for others, it was a face-to-face account. For me, it was hearing about a blood-curdling howl scream heard by my father, brother, and uncle many years after the event took place. I can still remember too, sitting around the elongated two-leafed wooden dinner table, my father to my left, my mother straight across from me, and my brother to her left. If I remember correctly, we were eating my mom's family and friend's famous barbecue when my dad started to recount the hair-raising account to us. I don't remember exactly what led up to him talking about it, possibly something to do with fishing there or somewhere that weekend, but I distinctly remember completely forgetting about my food as my dad stole my complete and utter attention. Here it is as I remember it. My uncle, my father, and my brother were all going to go to a desolate bull-like lake called Tumala Lake. Presently, the lakes are receding and dying out and turning into secluded meadows. But during the time of the story, the lake was filled with water and filled with all sorts of species of fish to be caught. My uncle was first to arrive this area only having one viable dispersed style camp spot, and was eager to snatch it up for the three of them. He ended up staying at the lake all day, fishing and setting up camp, waiting for my dad and brother to show up the following day. With an accomplished camp, full belly, and night starting in, he crawled into his tent to go to sleep. At some point in the night, he was awoken from a smell he says he has never smelled before, akin to rotten flesh with a little skunky musky trash scent mixed in. He figured it to be some known wild animal and just went back to sleep. The next day, my dad and brother arrived to the lake at an unknown time, presumably early morning. They set up their camp and set off in their float tubes to start fishing. They spent the day fishing the lake, taking breaks for food and such, but totally consumed in the constant action. This goes on until about 6 or so in the evening, when out of the complete, serene, and gorgeous natural silence that takes place far away from everyone and everything comes this wretched howl roar bloody murder mixed vocal come blaring up from the cliff sides my dad said it was far enough away to know that it wasn't within their immediate area but that it wasn't too far off maybe just over a ridge or something it was enough to create goosebumps for my dad and an unknown fear in my brother and uncle that's all i ever got from that story but it was that story in which started me down the path that i'm on now that's what I intend to do today, to chronologicalize everything that has happened to me, from my first experience all the way to yesterday. About two summers ago, I started a new job. My job task was extremely tedious, and I often had to work by myself, so I found myself looking for podcasts to help pass the time. I started out looking in comedy sections, but quickly found myself in a mysterious mood, so decided to just punch in Sasquatch in the podcast app I was using. Sasquatch Chronicles was the first podcast that popped up, so I started listening to it. I quickly found myself obsessed with the content and completely flabbergasted at how much information I was learning from this program. I listened to this podcast for a good month or so before I found myself going out to the woods after work one day to listen to episodes while I drove around in the forest. I guess I was mainly just hoping for a glimpse of one, or to find evidence. But I think I was just excited to be out there looking for this elusive creature and spending time in the woods not really expecting to see or find much. Boy was I wrong. I had downloaded a few episodes of Sasquatch Chronicles on my phone to listen to while driving down the forest roads for I knew I would have no reception and was listening to an episode when I came upon a Y in the road. The left road went up and the road I was on stayed straight further into the Mount Hood National Forest. I followed the road to the left up the hill and started my climb up the loose graveled potholed and switchbacked logging road. After about 10 minutes or so of climbing, the road came to a complete dead end. I five point turned my car around to face down the hill for easy departure, shut my car off, rolled my windows down, turned the volume up of the podcast on my car radio and sat down on the ground for a good period of time. I don't remember exactly but it was about a half hour or so when I finally decided to get back in my car and chill out. Right around that time, a part of the podcast episode was playing, and it sounded like a reported Sasquatch call. So I got the bright idea to roll all the windows down in my car and blast this call I was hearing at full blast to see if I would, or even could, get a reaction or call back from them. I plugged my ears, maxed my volume out on my car stereo speakers, and waited for the call to end. I believe it was the Missouri screamer call. The call recording ended so I turned the volume all the way down to prepare to listen. I sat for about 10-20 to seconds before out of my window I hear what sounds like a howl slash scream with a bit of a shorted bark sound at the end of it. It sounded to be about a quarter mile or so away because it was loud enough to sound extremely intense but sort of distant still. It took a second for me. To realize that I had heard something, but when I did, my mind instantly started racing. It was similar to how I had heard the howl like calls from reported Sasquatch calls the Ohio howl sounding tonality to the higher pitch, and an almost apish bark at the end, but almost dog like. As my mind is racing to figure out what sound this could be a dog, maybe? But no, because hadn't seen anybody up there at all. It's midweek, and I'm miles away from the closest town at this point. A cougar maybe? And instantly it clicks in my mind. I have never heard anything like that before, except on reported Sasquatch recordings. I instantly had a fear come over me that I had never experienced before in my life. I have almost died on the Clackamas River, but nothing compares to the feelings I had this day. All of a sudden, I hear a click-click followed by a huge boom to the back passenger panel of my vehicle. The impact was so great that it physically shook my whole vehicle to the point to where I could hear my shocks making noises as if they were being pushed to the point of grinding. Four full rocks is what I remember before my car and I composed ourselves enough to start the vehicle and attempt to get away. I slammed my foot down on the gas instantly, forgetting to put my gear shift in drive from park. I pulled my foot off the floored gas pedal and slammed down on the brake pedal, to move the gear stick from park to drive. I then slammed my foot back down on the gas, anticipating to take off like a bat out of hell, but my heart dropped when what felt like something had grabbed my bumper and was sucking me down to the ground, stopping me from moving. Then I realized my electronic emergency brake was on, which is what locked my back wheels up and sucked my suspension down to the ground when fully accelerated. Feeling relieved but still terrified, I pulled the e-brake out, waited for it to hum off, and shot gravel who knows how far back in my all-wheel drive Subaru Outback. I managed to get to the main highway, which was not that far, but felt like it, envisioning the entire way down, a huge bodied force or something chasing or escorting me out down the long switchback and potholed logging road, and find a pullout area crying the whole way down. I had never cried from fear, so this was eye-opening to me. I parked, shut my car off, got out of my car, and sat down on the cement with my back up against the driver's side passenger door, and I just bawled. Bawled harder than I had ever before. Once I was able to compose myself, I stole myself to see the damage that had been done to my vehicle. I stepped from the driver's side, around the back, and rounded the corner of my passenger side, looking all over my vehicle in pure and utter amazement. There was not a new scratch, dent, broken window, paint chip, or anything that could be found. Completely flabbergasted, I got back in my car and headed back down the mountain to go back into town and retell my story to my family. I was talking to a fellow researcher who's a friend of mine, and he thinks that it was a response call and an act of defensive territory. The two clinks were pebbles that whatever this was either tossed or kicked on its way to my vehicle, and when it came within striking distance, smack the composite roof rack bars that are found on almost all subarus preventing body or window damage for some reason but getting the point across that i needed to take off i'm not sure if i can fully marry the idea but it's the best i've come up with some time went by a couple of weeks or so and i had told one of my buddies about my experience who was wide-eyed and instantly interested in going up to the spot where it happened at And I agreed, begrudgingly, saying that I didn't want to go to the exact spot, but would drive around the immediate area as long as we had brought firepower. We got up there around 11, and at about noon had found a good road to check out. We started down it, and as it came to a right curve, my buddy in the passenger seat yells out to stop and back up. So I do. Only to see a trackway going up an incline on one side of the road and a weird looking stick structure across the road right before it starts to a smaller hill incline with a creek going down and a drainage pipe under the road. I pulled off to the tiny shoulder of the gravel road and got out to inspect the trackway. It was about 20 yards off the gravel road going up an incline of a guesstimation of about 20 to 40 degrees. It was mildly steep with a stride of approximately 5 foot or so if my memory serves correctly. I saw around 5 tracks going up this incline of soft and loose dirt, slash soft sedimented clay and pebbles before they disappeared into the bush. The track I was looking at and investigating had a narrower but broader heel to a narrow arch out to a huge front foot with five big toe impressions with claw-slash-nail-like impressions in front of each toe. This track was so big I could fit my entire hand in it with room to spare. I took some pictures of the trackway and of the track with my hand for size comparison. Then I wandered over to where my buddy was, showing me the intricate stick structure. It was right where there had been washout over the road from snowmelt, so it was highly likely naturally made, but the shape and positioning of these sticks, no longer than one and a half feet long, were extremely interesting. They were almost locked into place as I tried to take one out very forcefully but made little to no progress. I took some pictures and we got back into my car and continued our way further down the road with nothing else being found or taking place. About a week or so later, my mom and I went up to the same general area to spend some time together and to show her the area in which I had a life altering encounter with the call blast answer and vehicle assault. We were driving around and came across this pullout area that made a sort of half circle up off the logging road with a campfire ring at the back, budding up to nothing but thick trees all around. So essentially, it was a pullout off the forest road with a camping spot on it. The camping spot had a couple trees. In it, one of them, no more than three feet across, and almost dead, about ten feet up the tree from the ground, had been broken and twisted. I found this highly peculiar, and so snapped quite a few photos of it. We hung out for a while, and I was feeling like I was being watched the whole time, deciding to take off further into the wood and eventually home with nothing else happening. I'm not sure how my mom was feeling, she would have said something, but she never said it, but who knows. I posted one of the photos I took on social media, and someone pointed out a black figure within the shadows, staring at me and my mom. It's almost pareidolia status looking, as there is no distinguishable features, minus a very human, apish looking body outline within the shadows between two trees. While we don't usually entertain the, for lack of a better term, pareidolia side of this phenomenon, this is definitely interesting looking. About a month or so later, I decided to head up to the same area, just about 5 to 10 miles closer to civilization, and go to Tumalo Lake to camp and research one day after work, which was only about 30 minutes away. Tumala Lakes lie in a marshy glacial basin south of the ridge that forms the southern boundary of the Salmon Huckleberry Wilderness. There are about six small shallow lakes that decrease in extent as the summer progresses. Copsis of Hemlock, Cedar, Silver Fir, and Noble Fir have colonized the hummocks on the valley. Much of the valley was a private inholding acquired from a cattle company by the Nature Conservancy in the 1980s. And has since been restored from the heavy grazing that once occurred there. Tumla Lakes are the source of Tumla Creek, which feeds the Roaring River. In 2007, the lakes were officially renamed by the Board of Geographic Names during a campaign to eradicate the offensive word that pertains to a female Native American from maps. Tumla is the Native Chinook tribe word meaning the afterlife or tomorrow. And the name fits 100% as it has an eerie, sacred feeling to it. I had talked to one of my co-workers, who actually lived at the base of Tumla Mountain, and he was going to talk to his wife and see if she was alright with him meeting up with me for the night. I arrived at the lake around mid-afternoon, if I remember correctly, and as soon as I stepped out of my car, not even closing my door yet, to the left of the lake, directly straight back to the back of the lake, and one to the left of the lake, about 250-300 to 300 yards between the three, there came the most fake, low-toned owl hoot I have ever heard. I have heard plenty of owls in the wilderness and have never heard anything like this. It was as if they were warning each other about me. They only hooted one time each, making a giant half circle, and I was a little excited at the prospect of what it could have possibly been, but I didn't see anything so chalked it up to just being owls. Pushing the weirdness of the situation in the back of my head, I started unloading and began setting up camp. I pulled my newly donated tent I got from my aunt out and began setting it up, only to realize at the very last section that I was missing a part, so car camping it was, which turned out to be for the better. So I prepped my fire, stacking wood up ready to be lit, and set up my cookware and etc. I grabbed my camping chair, put on my podcast I like to listen to, and began whittling the day away. This was in August in Oregon, so it had been a very nice day. Hardly any clouds in the sky, in the temp, hovering around 75 degrees, when about 30 minutes into me relaxing, these dark rain clouds come out of nowhere and start dumping on me. and my nicely, hugely built up dry firewood pile, which I later came to hypothesize as some sort of test similar to what Les Stroud experienced in Survivor Man Bigfoot Episode 5 Willow Creek when being poured on went out with the Hoopa native after failing to start a fire in survival conditions and trying everything possible to do so had a tree fall within feet of them seemingly pushed over with enough dry tinder and wood held within to start a fire and stay safe I covered my ready-to-go firewood pile with debris all around and jumped in my car to stay dry until the cloud passed it rained heavy for a solid five to eight minutes give or take until finally being chased away by the nice warm sun with my firewood pile nice and dry i felt highly accomplished and set back outside to continue my whittling and camp relaxation a few hours went by and i decided to get some food i lit my fire up and started to cook some hot dogs and steaks on the pit around dusk feeling very full and content decided that if my buddy was going to come up, he would have been here by now. It was around this time that I had a feeling of being watched almost. I was sitting with my back to the gravel road where my vehicle was parked off to the side and facing the rock fire pit, which was about 40 to 60 feet from the water's edge. To my right was a thick bramble bush, which connected to more thick vegetation going up the incline back into the forest to my left was an area of about 60 to 80 yards long with trees sparsely strewn all over the place before it got to thick wood. I'm feeling this feeling of needing to look to my left so I follow my instinct and hone in on the area of interest. The night all around me is pitch black minus the firelight bouncing off the bushes and trees for about 30 yards around my camp. I look at this tree that seems to have this pull to it and from around the side of this tree I see a head A huge wide beady eye staring back at me. The tree is about 20 yards from where I'm sitting. I'm instantly in shock and don't believe what I'm seeing. I'm staring into this thing's eyes for about what seems like 30 seconds before I start to look at it fully. All I could see was its head outline, its rounded ape-like hairline outlining its long, big, increased forehead. I can make out how sunken and beady and extremely dark the eyes were and it almost had wrinkles under its eyes, almost ape-like, but more human-like, like like an older person would get, but this thing was small and young-looking. I could see its nose was almost completely flat, almost as if a boxer had fully flattened it out, but the nostrils pursed up and out like a gorilla's would. I don't recall seeing the ears. The bridge of skin between the bottom of its nose and the beginning of its upper lip, along with the skin just below its bottom lip, before the chin starts, was very wrinkly too. Its lips were pursed up almost like it was going to whistle, or as if it had a oh crap and busted look on its face. I could see the outline of its left shoulder to arm to the left side of its whole torso, all the way down to its left leg. I never saw a foot, but I remember the most was how low its kneecap seemed to be, but more so how far its arm was dangling down way past its kneecap, and its kneecap seemed to be where our shin would be, very different. This all took place in about 5 seconds, or so, give or take, and around that time I got the same sense of dread I had on my very first encounter with the call blast. Almost instantly, as this paralyzing fear washed over me, it was like a light switch was flicked on, and all that dread and fear was replaced with euphoria and acceptance. I felt it wash over me from head to toe. Around this time, I realized I'm not feeling scared anymore, and feeling a little weirded out, but content at the state I was feeling. I got this pressure on the top of my head. It wasn't really on the outside of my head, but more so on my brain. It's the only way I know how to explain it. It didn't hurt, but it was more relaxing. Then I got these thoughts that seemed to come out of nowhere, and not within my recognizable thought process or even thought tonality. This was a very foreign thought structure and tone. Though I couldn't hear any voices per se, it was saying don't be afraid. I'm only here to observe and watch you. There's no need to be afraid. And I wasn't. Even though seconds ago, I was so scared that I couldn't move. Now, in this moment, I could have gotten up and danced in joy, but I just sat there with a huge smile on my face, zoning out on this tree with some six-foot bean peeking from behind it. I remember staring at the tree for what seemed to be a very long time, but I was kind of zoned out. I was mentally and physically present, but I wasn't at the same time. People could have ran outside of my peripheral vision, and I would not have seen or even probably heard them. Around the time this thought process ended, I started feeling a little more part of the world, and a little more lucid. I had my cell phone out with my podcast playing this whole time, and got the idea to turn my LED phone light on and attempt to light the tree and figure I was staring at up a little more so I could verify that I was actually seeing what I was seeing. I slid the screen lock down, pushed the second to bottom app on the far left of the pull-down screen, which was my flashlight, and turned it on, buried in my leg. Not sure if it was on or not, and taking an assumptive action. I moved my phone up as fast as I could to light the tree up. But before I could even move my phone, off my lap fully, all I see is a blur disappear behind the tree. There was no noise, no wind, no smell, no anything involved with this thing disappearing. I just moved my head to a straight gaze upon the fire, with my jaw on the ground, and just sat there for a good while in complete shock. I still wasn't afraid, but I wasn't euphoric anymore. I was dumbfounded. I didn't even know what to think or how to process any of what happened. I got this sensation that I needed to just go to bed, so that's what I did. I put my fire out and got into my vehicle. Starting to feel weirded out finally, locked the doors behind me. It took me about 30 seconds to fall asleep once I was in my sleeping bag. I usually take about an hour or more to fall asleep, so this was very new. I woke up in the morning feeling very groggy and weird, but in a good mood, and more curious than I've ever been in my life. I went to the tree where I had seen this beam, but there was no tracks. No indentations, no hair, no smell associated with the area. I didn't find anything around the area either. I found other wildlife tracks in the substrate, but nothing definitively suspicious. I tore camp down and took off about noon with nothing else happening. To this day, I can't tell you if I was mind-spoken to, or if I saw a Sasquatch cloak or just straight up zoned out and disappear. For a long time, I believe that that's what has happened, but I have also learned what kind of intense extreme tricks our minds can play on us when presented with high amounts of stress and pressure, so I'm not married to the mind-speak idea, though the light switch of emotion seems very unnatural to me and will always throw a wrench in my fully natural hypothesis. A couple weeks went by with my obsession ramping up day to day and found myself unable to talk about anything but sasquatch with anyone in my general vicinity. Nothing new. One day, my brother, one of our friends, and I were out to dinner, when I had brought up the subject. My friend showed great interest in the topic, and when I told him about my experiences so far, he was itching to go check it out. So that weekend, we got in my car and headed up to Tumlo Lakes to daytime investigate. We arrived at the lake about midday, and got out to check out the area. We spent about 20 minutes or so just quietly talking and observing our surroundings, but nothing seemed out of place or unnatural, so we hopped back in my car and continued up the road, which I had never been up. We traveled for about 20 minutes up this winding, cut-out, old abandoned logging road. The road finally came to a flat spot at the top of the ridge overlooking the lake with about 50 or so yards opening up with trees surrounding it. Now that I've looked at that whole area on Google Maps, it's actually not a dead-end road but it is a dead-end road because the road was built in like 1920s something like that and the most of the road is uh, past the clearing which it goes for like almost 50-60 miles or something like that. It's all overgrown so you can't travel it at all actually. it's. Go, it, go, But it goes a long ways. But, uh, okay, let's get back on track here. There was a fire pit, and just to the left of the fire pit sat what seemed to be an old hearth and foundation for what I can only presume was some sort of cabin, maybe for the loggers, or maybe an old forestry building, but the building remnants created an eerie presence. We had gotten out and was checking out the old building remains when I got an idea to call Blast. I strolled over to my car rolled all the windows down, and played the Missouri Screams recording, just as I had the first time when I got scared out of the woods, trying to replicate what happened to me. My buddy was about 20 yards away from my car and walking towards it when the call blast ended, when from our left, which would be to the west I believe, we heard a distant but very powerful howl slash scream response back. We looked at each other, and I instantly felt the same type of fear rush over me as did that first time, and so I decided to leave well enough alone and told my buddy that we gotta go. and that, I didn't want to press my luck. He was pretty excited about hearing the response back, but understood, and so we left the mountain with no other incident. I spent plenty of time up in this area for a good few months after the last time I was up there with my buddy, but with nothing happening to really write about, until about four to six months later, when after dealing with a medical crisis, which kept me out of my research areas and the woods in general, I had found myself ready to go and get back out there. Last year, I attended the Longview Squatch Fest and was introduced to Clackamas Sasquatch research team by Cliff Berrickman, and after talking for quite a while, was given a brand new IT research spot that had been a hot spot for local research teams in the past and current. My next outing, the following weekend, I was at the spot with camp set up and just sitting back enjoying the solitude of the gorgeous day. The way this spot is, you take a windy logging road which has been cut out of the forest, so on both sides is thick bush. It comes to a wider section with less trees until it goes to an open power line area with the dirt road following the lines. I was camped out about 40 or 50 feet off to the left side of the road just at the vegetation and road line. I had been sitting around the preset, but not yet lit, fire for about an hour or more, just listening to a podcast, when from behind me and on the other side of the road, furthest away from me, I could clearly hear branches snapping, almost as if something was walking around, bipedal. The sounds came from what seemed to be about a 100 yards or so away, and I didn't really pay too much attention though fully aware of the noises I had just heard. I then started to feel like someone was watching me, but could see nothing when looking around. I sat there for about five minutes or so, waiting to hear something else, but the noises and the feelings just subsided to nothing. I went about my day listening to my podcasts and waited for dusk. Around an hour before nightfall, I struck up my fire and began to stoke it. I had been sitting there for a shorter period of time, When out of my peripheral vision, just off to the right, I saw what seemed to be a bulky, tallish shadow moving from the ground, in very tall grass, to its feet, stealthily moving away as it got up. There was just enough light out for me to make out a shadow, but not enough light for me to observe any true features. Not exactly sure if I saw what I saw, and easily chalking it up to an active imagination, I went about my business as if I hadn't seen anything. I continued sitting around the fire for about another couple hours with nothing else happening for the rest of the night. The next day, I had told my buddy who runs a podcast that is completely unrelated to the subject about all of my experiences and was curious if he was interested in heading out to go camping in one of my spots. He was very interested so we met up that weekend and headed back to the very spot I was just discussing. We arrived about mid-afternoon and began to set up camp. Within a few minutes, we were all set up and ready to relax for the rest of the day. I took off down the road to explore into the clearing at the bottom of the road, and my buddy stayed at camp to finish setting up. The clearing is just an access road that follows the power lines just outside of the camping spot, and I stood there for a good couple of minutes, taking pictures and observing my surroundings, when I decided to walk back up the tiny incline to camp. I started up, and when came into view of the camp, was met by Matt. He had this scared, worried, about-to-take-off look on his face, and he instantly explained to me how, as I walked down the road to the clearing, he needed to pee, so he stepped back outside of the main camp area, no more than 20 feet from the fire, started to urinate, and instantly had an extreme unwelcome sensation wash over him. He said he felt like he was being watched, and that whatever was making him feel that way did not want us there. He hurried over to the clearing in order to create line of sight with me to feel more comfortable. It was around this time that I had crest the little incline and was met by a very worried looking friend. Some time passed by with us hanging out at camp, discussing plans for that day, and hanging out. Around 3pm or so, we decided to do a little hike into the bush which was situated directly behind our camp. We walked a good 40 yards in, pushing our way through thicker bush before we were met by a circular open area of the forest which connected to an intersection of at least 10 different game trails going right, left, forward, and back from us. With two trees blocking one of the trails, one log on top of another, very uniform looking. Just in front of the two logs was a tree about a foot thick, or more if my memory serves There on the tree at nose level was a single branch approximately 3 inches thick which had been twisted and wrung out like a rag and which pointed straight down a game trail that, according to Google Maps, runs straight into a body of water. I documented and attempted field tests on the possible piece of evidence and started documenting the surrounding area for natural explanations. Searching for a good 10 minutes or so, attempting to hypothesize what could have happened, but there was no buts about it. This had clearly been grabbed from the base and mid of the branch, and something with opposable thumbs had wrung it out like a rag. There was absolutely no natural damage that was visible around it, except for a tree that was about 40 yards from where this branch had been twisted, and it was protected by other surrounding trees. There was no way this was natural breakage. Possibly a human, but not Mother Nature. I broke the stick off to place an evidence, and we took off headed back to camp. Some time went by, and we were still very excited at the idea of having possible evidence and talking up a storm of the day's events sitting around our campfire. I'm sitting right next to Matt, and we are listening to Sasquatch Chronicles while I'm zoning out on the fire. My attention is instantly snapped into play when through the flames, about two to three or so feet off the ground, Peeking through the branches of the trees that line our camp was two glowing red eyes. At first I thought it was just my eyes playing tricks on me, until I saw the eyes blink. I instantly called them out to Matt, saying, Dude, do you see those eyes? Right in front of the fire in the brush, but he never saw them. The eyes just disappeared around this time, and I instantly heard what sounded like brush moving coming from the area in which these eyes were. The noise only lasted for a second but we didn't hear or see anything else until it was time to go to bed. We put the fire out and crawled into my car to car camp, for I had brought my air mattress and tent, but had forgot to grab my air pump stupidly. We spent about an hour in that car before the uncomfortableness got to us, and we decided that laying flat out in my three-person pop-up tent would be a far cry better option. So we crawl into the tent and proceed to pass out. I was just about to enter my REM sleep when I was jolted awake by thunderous booms felt and heard. This felt like someone had dropped 50 bowling balls from like 15 feet up up off the ground. I could physically feel it in my chest. I awoke with a start but with a concerned and terrified feeling instantly. I was keenly listening for any other noises when I clearly heard heavy bipedal footsteps just outside my side of the tent wall. Then I could hear another set on the opposite side where Matt was. Then at the head of our tent, and one at the door. These steps were just circling my tent, and circled for another 30 seconds before it all stopped. I had my eyes closed this entire time, too afraid to open them, when from my side of the tent, I could feel a huge bodied presence just outside the tent wall. It felt huge. I say felt but I'm referring to the feeling of one's bubble. If someone is to violate our personal bubble, or personal space, we almost always feel that. It's a feeling of intrusion. With my eyes closed and feeling this bodied mass outside my tent wall, I start to feel my bubble being violated more and more. As the tent wall pushed further and further in until it touched my arm. It pushed a tiny bit more until it was unmistakably something pushing up against my arm. I frozen, I just frozen fear, every nerve ending on Freya. I quit breathing, and if it wasn't for my buddy Matt being with me, honestly think I would have died from a heart attack. I was so scared. I'm trying to think of any way to alleviate this situation when it comes to me to just sniff really loud. It was a pitch black night, no wind or insect noises from my recollection, so I'm thinking this sniff will be so loud it will scare anything out of camp, especially if it's a bear or something. As I'm laying there frozen from fear, fully feeling four massive fingers on my arm, I sniff the loudest I could manage. If it was any sort of known wildlife, bear, cat, deer, elk, etc., my mind says they would have sprinted or pummeled over my tent so fast to get out of there that it would have been apparent at that point of the intruder's origin. But instead, this hand slowly, as if not to be caught, retracts back as I'm feeling the tent wall get further and further away from me. Almost instantly as the hand is removed from the tent wall, our fire picks back up. There was no wind. Absolutely no reason for our fire to kick back up and to this day, I'm still flabbergasted at how it got picked back up literally out of nowhere. Around this time I had been calling my buddy's name quietly trying to see if he was awake for any of that. He wasn't answering so I just voiced out his name and he instantly answered me. I asked him if he experienced everything that just went down and he told me that he had felt the booms in the beginning, heard the footsteps outside the tent and around the tent but didn't experience the tent wall being pushed in. He then asked why and how the fire was lit back up but neither of us could come up with an explanation. We were way too wired at that point to go to sleep, so stayed up with the new fire glow outside the tent, talking about what had happened and related topics for about an hour before finally falling asleep as the fire died down. Now when we got, when we got to that camping spot, there was no distinguishable footprints and the road was completely clear. But this morning, as we wake up and stroll outside the tent, my buddy points over and says, hey, these weren't here yesterday. There, sitting in the middle of the road, going from one side of the road, nearest to a game trail, to my car at a diagonal angle, which was 2 feet in front of my tent, the last branch of the line of 4 or 5 branches was directly next to my tent door. As I walked across this random line down of branches, I spotted just at the entrance of the game trail, headed into the trail from the road, was a clear partial print with clear toe markings. I'll post that picture up on the Facebook page when posting this show, if you're interested in looking at it. It was one of the strangest circumstances to have ever happened to me since being involved in this field of study, and to this day, is the experience that still gives me nightmares. I never felt or heard it breathing, but maybe that's what scares me so bad. There was definitely something there touching me through the tent, but never heard it breathing like I've heard so many people claim. Weirded out, me and my buddy tore down camp, packed it up into the car, and before taking off from the spot, left a huge heap of teriyaki pork jerky as a peace offering as to say please don't be mad. I truly believe by me taking that branch it set off a domino effect which culminated with a warning to me and I will never take any sort of possible piece of evidence again. I was already planning another camping trip to do some research And decided to switch up terrain deciding to go to the oregon coast so i can invite my cousin whom i don't get to see very often and spend some time with him it was labor day weekend of last year shortly before the big forest fires and i had picked up my cousin and all of his camping gear and we took off to the tillamook state forest following a bfro report for a campground class a sighting but with covid being around and the actual campground pretty well full We found some dispersed camping areas within a few miles of the BFRO listed campground. We arrived on a Friday on a dead end road that jetted off of the main gravel forest access road. We parked and began to unload. I had a ton of camping gear to unload and set up and my cousin was bare bones with his lightweight single person tent, small camping chair, sleeping pad, pillow, and sleeping bag. I was about 80% complete as my cousin was standing around talking with me when he said he was going to head down to the end of the road about 100 yards away, which ended in an 80 or so yard inclined berm, perfect for shooting. The road comes through the forest, heads up a hill after a tee, with forest on your right and left. It opens up about 1,000 yards before the dirt berm, with about 20% grade incline, up into the forest, where it flattens out a bit and on the other side goes down about the same grade. A good portion of this section is logged for about 500 yards in with dead fall everywhere as the hill grades down and this section is about 100 yards across. Everything else around looks untouched. Our camp is directly next to the middle of this section, directly off the gravel road on a grassy area going all the way down this wider clearing of the road. It ends at the berm with the logging section ending right at the berm line with a smaller dirt path looking area, with the berm about 10 feet on your right, and the grade down on your left about 10 feet, until it ended after another 40 or so yards, where it went down about a 40% incline, down a clay hard dirt looking incline several thousand yards down in the bush. So, all those words were to say, it was a logging road cut in the middle of a forest, and we were pretty much up on like this, ledge on this mountainside per se Uh, so incline off to our right uh, hillside to our left a, a giant berm straight ahead and that went further down the hill I was at camp almost done setting up when my cousin told me he was going to walk down to the end of the road and back to check stuff out About three minutes later, I heard him coming down the road back to camp, but his walk sounded funny, so I looked up to see him with his 9mm pistol drawn and aimed at the clearing on the left of the broom, while walking backwards towards camp. I instantly was very curious and so asked him what was up once he got back. He continued to tell me that he was at the end of the road from when the semi-thick brush and trees together he heard what he described as a very low human-like huff growl. My cousin is the type of person to carry a bivy sack or maybe wilderness hiking and camping gear kit into the depths of nowhere, set up camp and not have a worry. He has heard almost every animal noise native to this region of the Pacific Northwest and knows these sounds well, so when he told me it was unlike anything he's ever heard, my attention was grabbed. This instantly coincided. the entire vast area we were in going dead silent there were bugs flying around and birds making noises when we first arrived but for about a half hour or so now it was just silent i asked my cousin to take me to the spot where we heard the noise and we proceeded to the spot as i arrived i felt a very strange sensation almost deja vu feeling but without the recollected past action or series of events I walked about 10 yards into the bush off of the road to look for signs but to no avail. My cousin said he felt the grunt slash growl, had a get out of my area, why are you here feeling to it, and I have to concur with that. The feelings I was feeling standing there during the middle of the day coincided with what my cousin was describing absolutely 100%. We stood around completely silent, listening for anything for about a minute, before we turned around and started walking the hundred yards or less back to camp, which you could easily see from the berm. Soon after, the bugs and the birds continued their noises and all was well for the rest of the day at that spot, until the following day. We had woken up the following day, wanting to move spots to try to find a river to camp by and started packing up camp. We were loading the last of the stuff up when we decided to head down to the end of the road to check out the area my cousin heard the noise come from again. We didn't see anything or hear anything, so proceeded down the dirt cat road to the left of the berm to look for prints. We got to the end before it starts going down into the bush, but didn't find any prints at all, so we started back to the gravel road into camp. We get to my car and do a once-over look around to make sure we weren't forgetting anything. And just before we went to get into the car, we both distinctly heard the most wretched, creepy, low, and I hate using this word, but demonic sounding chuckle. It lasted for about two seconds, but sounded to be 20 yards away. I instantly got goosebumps, as did my cousin, he later told me, and we just looked at each other with worried looks on our face and got into my car and drove out of there. That chuckle was so impressionable that I can still hear that chuckle to this day, as if it was yesterday. We took off talking about what just happened, which was when my cousin told me about him getting goosebumps, and finally deciding on a new spot, headed to it. It was about 15 minutes away, and was about 500 yards away from the nearest river, as all the river spots were occupied with people. We found a little tucked away camp spot, and began setting up camp. It was about mid-afternoon when we found a spot to stay. The spot went up off the forest road for about 50 yards before ending in a bowl style, which had about a 40% incline to the right, and a flatter spot to the left with game trails going through it into thick bush. We camped in the center of this area and began to hang out, setting up tents, starting dinner, and listening to various Sasquatch-themed podcast episodes. It was about ten. It was about 10 p.m. when we started to record our conversation which can be heard on season one episode seven of this podcast and shortly after that about 12 or so my cousin started to fall asleep i was getting tired as well but wanted to stay up for a bit longer staring at the stars and listening to my podcast at a low volume when all of a sudden i felt a presence like someone was around camp i started to look around and reaching for my pistol but didn't see anything, so just set my gun down on my lap. Seconds went by, when out of nowhere, I started hearing bipedal footsteps coming from the gravel road area. These steps were not on the gravel yet, but were powerful and loud enough to hear them coming. They were very thuddy, almost boomy. They hit the gravel road, and began up the thickly grown-in 10-yard incline to our camp from the road. It was briskly walking before, but the steps slowed down as it neared our camp, and at this point my heart was racing. With my mind racing and not knowing if it was a bear, sasquatch, or a person, I yelled, Hey bear! Hey bear, I have my gun out, so don't do something stupid, just in case it was someone. The footsteps immediately stopped, just inside the tree line, so outside the camp light, as so I couldn't see anything. It was silent for about 30 seconds when I started to hear the footsteps slowly retract a couple steps back down the incline, moved to the left near the flat spot of camp, but staying in the tree line, and moved all the way up the hill making thick booming thuds as it walked around my camp and dissipated into the pitch black woods. Needless to say, I was a little freaked out. My heart was starting to slow down, but my adrenaline was still at full strength. Some time went by, I'm not exactly sure i'd say maybe a half hour of me sitting in silence trying to hear something else but all was normal we woke up the next day and i went over to check out the area where i thought maybe the footsteps were coming from the night before but it was so grown in that there was no way to even tell the trees were very thick and in between them were all sorts of foliage so it was literally impossible to see the substrate we decided to go back to our original spot to get away from all the cars that were passing by our spot As it was a holiday weekend on a nice weekend. And we were right by the river and everyone had been locked up in their homes due to COVID. So it was really busy there. We packed up and headed back hoping no one was in the spot. We arrived to find it open just as we had left it. We set up camp again but had absolutely nothing happen that day or night. No feelings, no noises, no anything out of the normal. But the next day... We were hit with massive wind gusts and smoke coming from everywhere. So decided to leave. I believe this is why our second stay here ended with nothing. Maybe the Sasquatch were vacating the area themselves. I took my cousin back home and proceeded to watch the fires completely destroy all of my research areas over the next few weeks. I spent a lot of time out of the woods, not really having anywhere near me to go to anymore until they opened up the lower section of Tumala Mountain a couple of months ago. I took an interview with a guest, Casey, on Season 2, Episode 11, entitled The Camping Experience, whom I have since became friends with, and we decided to head up to this newly opened up area to go mushroom hunting and Sasquatch researching. We parked at the bottom of a mildly inclined forest floor with a creek running down it. We started up the creek and hiked for a couple hours, looking for wild mushrooms and sasquatch evidence. We found some mushrooms, but didn't see any footprints or anything like that. We found a couple peculiar areas, but were either naturally explainable or apparent game-related upon further inspection. Towards the end of our hike, Casey emitted a mid-range howl looking for a response. We waited for about 30 seconds when I decided to do a high-pitched scream. Very Barrickman-like. Short, loud, and to the point. After I screamed, about 10 seconds later, we both could hear a howl-like response from a few ridge lines away. We both got excited, looks on our face, and turned to head back down to our car. We'd go back to our car and was standing around when I wanted to emit a short whistle. So I blew a low, high, low-pitched whistle and sat quietly. About 10 seconds later, from deep within the forest... I got a reply back with the whistle pitch matching mine to a T. It was very quiet, like making me think it was made from far away, but it came from the same region as the response that Casey and I experienced. Just as I heard the whistle back, Casey had made some sort of action I didn't see, maybe bending over, making the material rub, uh, something, and didn't hear the whistle back. I am very skeptical in attempt to find any natural or man-made explanation of anything I find peculiar, and I only say this to prove that I know for 99% that the whistleback I heard was not a bird or any other documented wildlife. It was very human-like, sounded nothing like any bird I've ever heard before. A couple weeks ago. I spent some time out in the field with and Sasquatch Research, hiking up an old abandoned logging road that went up into the Thick Mountain Hood National Forest, kinda near the same area where I was just at with Casey. We hiked about two hours up the road, administering tree knocks, whistles, grunts, and whoops with strange feelings coinciding, but no visual or otherwise phenomenon took place. At one point, we found a very peculiar set of prints that were too messy, wet and undefinitive so we kept on. This was all I remember about that trip. Recently, I went up to Mount Hood with Casey from season 2 episode 11 and started morel and antler shed hunting in a spot where he had heard the whistle back when with his friends mushroom hunting, like explained in the interview. We found a few peculiar prints but did not cast them as they were not definitive enough. With no luck on finding any mushrooms, We moved spots to a secluded area, parked and hiked in. The forest was super thick with an interlocking 100 foot section, from what I could see, maybe more, of a dead tree. It looked like maybe storm damage culminated with a natural look but it was only this one section of forest. There was no sign of any past logging present anywhere near this area and it looked almost to be like a barrier or retaining area of some kind. We made our way in stepping over and on top of trees, both mid-sized to giants. We walked about 50 yards in and took a seat on a dead tree to sit for a while and just listen. The trees were making an eerie creaking and moaning sound here and there, from topside wind gusts moving these monsters around, and in between the creaks and moans, a rhythmic clave sound, wood knock tone, could be heard. I don't remember the exact rhythm, but me and Casey clearly both heard it. It sounded to be a long distance off, but the sound was penetrating the thick wood. Now, we had heard this noise earlier when we first pulled up, and sat for a while to let things settle, but wrote it off to be a bird. Now that we were actually in the forest, it was quite apparent what we were hearing. You could clearly distinguish a wood-on-wood knocking sound. This was no bird call or woodpecker. There was a woodpecker going off in the distance, and you could clearly hear the difference in tone. It went on for another couple seconds and dissipated we sat and observed for a bit longer and after a couple minutes got up and started working our way back out of the thick forest and all the deadfall we were in and back to the clear campsite where my car was parked we left not hearing anything else and took off back down the mountain That's all I have for you today. If you enjoyed this episode, or this podcast in general, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review. It helps get the name of this podcast out there, helps ratings, which helps people find it easier, and also helps me to see what you all like and want to see more of. So be sure to take the time to do that if you haven't already and enjoy the content. I was up on Mount Hood last weekend with Casey and David and had some very interesting stuff happen, enough to get at least one of them to come on to interview about it. So please keep your eyes peeled for that episode coming out in the coming weeks. I want to thank David and Casey for teaching me all sorts of new things and their willingness to always seek the truth out when confronted with an unknown. And I want to thank you, the listener, for staying tuned in to the end of this episode. I see the support and I cherish it. So before I let you go, I want to remind everyone to love yourself, love others, be kind, be safe, and until next time. for those of you that don't know cliff Berrickman is actually a musician and you're currently listening to one of his songs you can find this song and many many others at clifford on his website Don't you wanna ride the wind Oh, take it Oh, take it All aboard! Don't you to ride the right wagon?